It's Wake Up Wyoming with Glenn Woods. Six the time. It is a Tuesday. It's Wake Up Wyoming. My name is Glenn Woods. We've got a busy morning, and I mean, i got a lot of stuff going on today. And that includes at 8 o'clock, if all goes well, 8.06, Harriet Hegeman, your Wyoming member of the House of Representatives, will be in because she wants to talk about the State of the Union address. I, oh, God, that's tonight. Just so you know, I can never watch those things. I come in the next day and look at the reviews of them. I can never watch those things. I just can't put up with it. And I know a lot of you can't either, but all right. And especially when it comes to this guy doing this thing. Oh, God. Okay, then there's that. But she also wants to talk about some other committees she's on and what she's been doing. So that's 8.06 this morning. This first story, though, just go ahead and put it in your pocket and use it. You're going to love this. But first... Warning, this show contains reference to guns, liberty, limited government, low taxation, the cult of climate change, free thinking, cigar smoking, short people, rubber chickens, Karen's bureaucracy, liberal buzzwords, tour runs, traffic, toilets, terrible jokes, and more. No apologies will be issued. Guest callers may express any opinion they want without fear of being canceled. Unless you're a loudmouth jerk like Dave, then Glenn will hang up on you. Strap in, hold on to your coffee. And feel free to participate. This disclaimer does not refer to every person named Dave. Just one particular Dave from San Francisco. We know a lot of Daves. They call this show all the time, and they're great people. So don't call this program and complain that we use your name. That would be a real Dave move, Dave. Okay, you're really going to love this one. I spent a little bit of time making sure, doing some research this morning. Uh, Apparently, a wind farm, or I should say wind farms, have been busted using diesel power to keep them warm on the coldest nights. Isn't that just beautiful? Now, I've told you about this before when it gets really cold out there. Not just the machine works in a wind turbine, but some of the fluids they use in there, oil and other. Yes, they use petroleum in wind turbines and other such fluids can freeze up and damage can happen. So on the coldest of nights, there are heaters inside those turbines. They're not creating energy. They're using energy. Now, how's that supposed to be reliable in keeping us warm when it gets really cold out there, especially overnights? All right, here's the story. This didn't happen in the United States. This is in Scotland, although U.S. wind turbines have heaters in them too. But all right, Scottish power has been accused of environmental madness, the story says, after it was revealed that Its wind turbines have been hooked up to diesel generators, and they have multiple wind farms in this story. So the Sunday Mail newspaper out there revealed by a whistleblower that diesel generators were used on turbines in order to prevent them from freezing up and suffering damage during cold weather in December. Scottish Power told the publication that it took place after a fault developed on the grid. So these wind turbines, and it explains where they are and how they were affected, the liquids in them, as well as some of their moving parts, again, will suffer damage if things get too cold. 
wind turbines, by comparison to a coal power plant, for example, can be on the delicate side. So if they're not providing energy during a cold snap, they're drawing it to keep them warm. And to fire up diesel generators, dear Lord. Dozens of turbines in Scotland, actually there's about 71, have been powered by diesel generators in cold weather. It's been happening for years. Now, again, this happens in America, although I don't know I'm not aware of anywhere in America that's using diesel generators to keep them warm during the coldest weather. I haven't heard about that. Still, you can imagine the stink being caused by environmentalists, how upset they are when they hear something like this, because this just ruins their reputation. I still want to know from those in the news media, well, we already know the answer to this. Are they going to cover any story like this? Would they cover it? Would they cover it honestly? And of course, the answer is no, because people continue to hear clean, green, like when you talk about uh, electric vehicles, and they say zero emissions, and you know you got to use a bunch of petroleum products just to create those vehicles. But all right, another story. This was sent to me uh, a few years ago, a few a few weeks ago, but I'm finally getting to it now. Is wind winding down? The story says sometimes it's funny to come across an article that make you smile because of a memory it triggers. That happened yesterday. This also says. When I came across a piece of chaos in the wind turbine manufacturing sector, apparently, uh, let me see, let's get right down to it. The European wind industry has warned of continued difficulties in 2023 as high material costs and slow approvals for new wind power projects drag and, and low profitability, if any at all. In fact, as I've said before, these wind farms, they need subsidies to exist. Subsidies dry up, they're they're in trouble. Then there's the effects of the Russian war in Ukraine. You would think that that would have helped. If the wind and solar farms were doing what they were supposed to be doing, you would think that the war in Ukraine cutting off natural gas would have been good for the wind industry. But despite escalating demand from governments for wind farms, the approval process, that's just bureaucracy, but also problems getting what they, the materials that they need the, the ind- and lack of subsidies. The industry's slowly winding down, or at least they're going through a slump right now. Global Green Energy Company uh, reported Thursday that it had lost a staggering $967 million during a three-month period between October and December. That's a German-based company, which dubs itself a global leader in power generation offshore. And the company flagged last month increased failure rates of unspecified components to be able to build or even you know, new ones or to fix old ones. So then there's that problem as well. Let's see. Uh, Here we go. This was sent to me, I think, just yesterday, was it? Or over the weekend? It was uh, Donna. She's up. uh, DJ's up in Gillette. The greenies of the clean, except for millions of dead birds, energy wind farms is dying in the face of poor economies. Even with tax subsidies, unreliable technology is just not making it. The big players and the construction of wind turbines are facing massive losses and write-downs, canceling big wind projects. 
Brace yourself for the demands of even more subsidies. That Well, they're going to ask for even more. You want us to do this. We're going to need more money. Global green energy companies, one that I just mentioned in Germany, said that it had lost a staggering $967 million during a three-month period. The German-based company, which dubs itself the global leader in offshore power, noted wind industry is now facing various pressures. And again, it's slowing down. Beginning of year, fiscal 2023 saw a further increase in global wind demand prospects. In other words, governments are asking for all of this, but companies are not able to keep up and they're losing money. Companies are slowly losing money doing this. But let's go back to the first story here, because I think that's the most important one to me. Because, you know, if they start losing subsidies, they'll start begging for more money and they'll get it. But the fact that in Scotland, the wind farms out there have been busted using diesel generators to keep warm on cold nights. 6.15 is the time. Wake up, Wyoming. Why? Why take a chance? Why risk a mistake? Why say something? We all have reasons why we choose to ignore the things that give us pause. Six eighteen is the time. It's Wake Up Wyoming. I saw a headline on that ridiculously large television they put in my studio off to my right. Headline is man arrested in monkey theft. Motive unknown. Well, it's a monkey. Do you want a monkey in your house? That'd be so cool. But providing you're good at putting diapers on it and he's not throwing poop at you, it's a great idea. Okay. So we'll we'll find out what happens with the monkey. I think that's the only motive. He saw a monkey. He wants a monkey in his house. If you just joined me, I did come across a story that shows over in Scotland their wind farms were busted using diesel power to keep the wind turbines warm during cold snaps. So, story Cowboy State Daily. Question. Why do electricity costs keep going up despite more wind and solar being added to the grid? Good question. It's an often reported that the story says that electricity produced from wind and the sun in many times, many times cheaper than electricity or anything from coal, natural gas, you know, stuff like that. Uh, that's not true, by the way. It's heavily subsidized. That's why it's cheaper. So it's not really cheaper. Yet, despite increases every year in the amount of electricity produced from wind and solar, electricity customers paid 14.3% more in just a year. That's more than twice the rate of a consumer price for all of the items, which rose 6.5% during the same time period, according to the Consumer Price Index. So... Electricity prices have more than doubled. Other things are much more expensive, but electricity prices. And you're being told we're putting up more wind and solar than ever before. It's cheaper energy. Why is the price going up? So, okay, no easy calculation, the story says. The answer is complicated. 
Paul Boniface, Director of Operations for NH Research Foundation, which is partnered with the University of Wyoming, told Cowboy State Daily that costs of different sources of energy are calculating using a measure called levelized cost, which doesn't really tell the full story. Levelized cost of electricity tells you the cost of electricity, but only when that power source is generating electricity. Electricity is a product that is unique, he said, than any other one produced. It's consumed almost instantaneously the moment it's produced. Quote, what do we want to happen when we flick a light switch? It's not that we want electricity uh, all the time. We just want it at that moment. When the wind isn't blowing, the sun isn't shining, coal, fire, natural gas, power plants increase their output to cover the lack of energy from the unreliability of wind and solar. Without dispatchable power available, the lights don't stay on. And more wind and solar farms are built dispatchable power plants sit idle more often. Now, here's a key here. I've heard about this before. So when you have a natural gas plant or when you have a coal plant, it actually costs quite a bit to spool that sucker up and get it going again. So usually what you would have to do, if you're not going to use it as your primary source, the best thing to do is at least run it at very low power to keep it going. Because to have it sitting there doing nothing and start it back up, that's really expensive. A study last month by Energy Innovation, a renewable, pause, that word renewable is wrong, it's not, advocacy and climate policy think tank, found that the only coal-fired power plant in the United States that's cheaper to operate than to replace with wind and solar farms is the Dry Fork Station about 10 miles north of Gillette. And that's a newer station, right? Well, uh, like many studies comparing wind and solar and things, they keep saying fossil fuel, organic fuel, powered and nuclear power plants, energy innovation studies rely on the U.S. Energy Information Administration and its annual energy outlook that compare cost to technologies. It's misleading. It's highly misleading. The problem is they don't provide all of the costs associated with. And I look at this also thinking, and do do they really include the subsidies that go into it? Because you have to include, in order to run a natural gas plant and a coal plant, government, especially government agencies like the EPA, put a heavy burden on those on those plants that are, again, natural gas and coal, which is expensive. Is that calculated in? In the meantime, wind and solar is heavily subsidized. Is that calculated in? One gets a financial burden. The other gets the subsidy. If you build a natural gas-fired power plant, it will produce electricity nearly all the time. The same 100-megawatt solar and wind farm produces several hours a day, unless it's cloudy, with battery power, which is very expensive. You might increase it by a couple of hours at most. It, It leaves a large portion of the day without electricity. That means natural gas plants need to be ready to go when the batteries of the solar farm aren't providing power. And here's a quote, and it's not like just because you're running the natural gas plant less often, you can lay off most of the staff. The cost savings for operating, really, not much. So in other words, 
you put your wind and solar up, but you still have to have the backup people standing by all the time. The story says the limits of green energy, according to these two that Cowboy State is interviewing, Professor of Economics, School of Energy Resources, University of Wyoming, explained that a better measurement for comparison is the levelized to avoid the cost. It's levelized to avoid the cost of electricity. Uh, it it's this gets complicated, doesn't it? The measurement compares what is a prospective new energy source source with the worst if it dropped uh, onto the grid, the pre-existing grid. So if a solar developer built a new solar farm to displace power from a more expensive gas-fired plant, which is not more expensive, that's wrong, there, which are used to supply power during high demand, the farm will have a higher cost than the displaced power generation. Boy, this gets really complicated. Here's what I know. <clears throat> Simply put, we are putting up more and more wind and solar, and we're told that it's cheaper, right? But it's heavily subsidized, which makes it artificially cheaper. And yet, that same government that subsidizes wind and solar is putting more and more of a financial burden on natural gas and on coal, which makes that more expensive, artificially more expensive. And it doesn't have to be that way. So to say that, well, wind and solar power are cheaper is false. Here's what the consumer knows. The consumer knows that their electric bill is going up. We keep putting the squeeze on natural gas and coal plants, making it harder for them to operate or exist at all. We keep putting the squeeze on them. We keep subsidizing something that's not clean or green or sustainable or reliable, which is wind and solar. And because of this, your price keeps going up. The best way to do this, as I've said many times over the years, is get the government out of the process. Producing electricity, the government should have very little involvement in it at all. It should not be something that the president or Congress says, we're going to go all this kind or most of that kind of energy. Let the market figure it out. Those people who produce the product we call electricity will figure out the most reliable and most affordable way to do it because they make more money that way. So that's what they're going to do. What's the best way to provide this energy that's going to be cheap to produce and reliable. Let the experts who are in that business actually do it on their own. And the only thing the government does is just make sure they're actually not polluting. CO2 is not a pollutant. I mean real pollution, not the fake CO2 pollution. Just make sure that they're doing it honestly and actually doing it clean. And then let them produce whatever they need to produce. That's how the cost of electricity comes down. An artificial marketplace doesn't work. So trying to read, I'm sorry, I was trying to read that, but it just get, get, gets so complex and so confusing. What you really want is not to have an artificial marketplace. Jim, in Casper, wind farm batteries, not in this state, no wind power. 
gas, coal, cheap wind and solar expensive, no reliability, and very limited lifespan. Take organic fuels to produce. Well, and they do have um, battery farms. My understanding, Jim, unless there's some place I didn't know about, there are battery farms for the wind and solar, but outside of the state. It goes to that outside of the state was my understanding of it. And Sean and Casper, hey, Glenn. Oh, yeah, I heard about this. We're working on it, Sean. Coming up on some local news, right after local news update on your weather forecast, you and I get back into it again after that. Triple eight ninety seven Woods, the phone number, Wake Up Wyoming. the time, it's Wake Up Wyoming. One bill that is moving through the Wyoming House and Senate is that crossover voting bill. That's making progress. Story says a bill aimed at preventing uh, voters from changing their party affiliation just ahead of the primary is passing the Wyoming House and moves on to the Senate now. You can read it, HB, HB 103. If you go to the Wake Up Wyoming site, the story is aired by our man in Cheyenne, Doug. He has a link to HB 103, so you can read the actual bill. Opponents of crossover voting in primary elections have been trying for years to end the practice. So, so uh, the legislation, I do remember it went all the way back to, I think, 2018, Foster Freeze was one of those. And that's where some people say, well, crossover voting, that's how we got Governor Gordon. Well, actually... Although it did happen back then, it would have still been Gordon anyway. Although Gordon didn't get a massive majority, there were so many people in the process. It split it up in so many ways. And a lot of Democrats did jump over to vote for Gordon, but not enough to have affected the outcome. It was still going to come out the same way. So with this bill, last I heard, we'll see what happens when it gets through the Senate, it was supposed to be a couple of like 45 days out or more that you can go ahead and change your party affiliation. You weren't allowed to show up the day of. The idea is to get it far enough out there, that date when you can switch, where you're not really even sure all of who's who, who's running for that office. So you really can't cross over vote and make an intelligent decision that way. But that's what they're trying to do. We'll see what the ultimate date ends up being. The farther out they can go, the better. Another interesting story I found for you this morning. I have seen on a couple of television shows a few times when there is a mountain lion in the area and farmers, ranchers, so on, or people in the neighborhood want to get rid of the mountain lion, they'll send somebody out who's got a pack of dogs and they go not hunting the mountain lion to kill it, but they tree the thing. The dogs will scare the mountain lion and run it up a tree. And whoever owns the dogs will let them harass the mountain lion for a while and then take the dogs away. When the mountain lion climbs down from the tree, it doesn't want to come back. That's that's a way to get rid of a mountain lion in an area without actually having to kill the thing. So there is a bill that would allow mountain lion pursuit a certain season 
where you could do just that. You can get a tag just like for a kill, but you're not going to kill it. And go after mountain lions with your dogs. There's people who do this. I have a story on this on the Wake Up Wyoming site with some video of people who like doing this. They go out there with their dogs. They tree a mountain lion. They harass it for a while. They leave. Now, I know some animal rights activists don't like this idea, but what would you rather do? Kill it? Try to drug it and carry it away? Or if you could just harass it and convince it you're not welcome here, and most mountain lions in most cases understand, okay, this is a bad place to be, and they leave and they don't come back. So that's another bill. Let me see. Senate File 178 has passed the Wyoming Senate, would establish a mountain lion pursuit season where the hunters can go after the big cats with their dogs. Here's a quote from Wyoming Public Media. The benefit of this, of a catch and release of the cats, that they learn respect for people and dogs, which really does reduce li- it reduces the livestock, pet, and human confrontations. That's according to Luke Worthington, founder of the Wyoming Houndsmen Association. I did not know that Wyoming had a Houndsmen Association. That sounds pretty cool. So, okay, there, of course... Always a problem. There was one in the Casper area during that last big storm we had when temperatures dropped down to like minus 42 degrees. Someone got some video, backyard camera they had, middle of the night. A mountain lion and her cub were wandering around in the snow in the middle of the night. I don't know if they were looking for food, looking for something to eat was probably the case. But they were wandering around in that cold temperature in the middle of the night in a neighborhood. And that's how people can lose pets. Some people have backyard chickens, of course. There's other livestock problems as well. One of the episodes, and I don't know what the name of the show is, but there was some a mountain man show or something like that that was on television. And I watched a guy who's up in Montana who does this for hire. When people have a mountain lion in their area and they just want it out of the area, away from their sheep or chickens or whatever else they might have. They actually hire this guy who drives out, and he's pretty good at it. He finds the tracks, sends his dog out. They spend some time harassing the thing. And then when they leave it, again, the mountain lion just doesn't want to come back to that area. It's pretty effective. 642 is the time. Wake up, Wyoming. This weather up. 648 is the time. Wake up, Wyoming. Off we go to the icebox. Frank Gambino is waiting by. So, Frank, where I grew up, there were airboats. Uh, do you know what an airboat is? Yeah, it's got that okay. big fan on the back. And That's they kind right, of go yeah. through the Everglades and look yep. for alligators. Yep, flat-bottom boat. It can go just about anywhere. Yeah. So it started this morning when I saw a video that just popped up on my social media. So Texas got some light snow and ice. Okay. And a guy's looking at the road and looking at his airboat and decides, let's, let's give it a go, head yeah. down the road. Yeah. <laughs> so when he got into an intersection... He just started doing donuts. It was just fun, yeah. I'm wondering if the guy could even go forward on ice. Uh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, with an airboat. Yeah, the, the problem is when you're on ice on an airboat is stopping. Oh, yeah. doesn't have bricks. All right, so then I started thinking, well, if he's doing that, I should be able to find other videos of people on airboats, either on ice or snow. Okay. I did. So there's several videos. Go to the Wake Up Wyoming site this morning. You'll find a couple of videos where people took airboats out onto very snowy areas. Now, they can stop because the snow will help them 
slide to a stop. But still, it's not like, let's say, a snowmobile where you can hit the brakes. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not. At least though, it's not going to sink into because it's up on top, big flat bottom boat. But there's these guys who, yeah, they got airboats out there across snowy fields. And they're just buzzing around, having a good old time with it. I'd never thought of such a thing. You know, with snowsuits and everything, and then they got yes. four people in, you know, in the yep. front, and somebody drives, and yep. wow, what a good time! I'd never thought about that. Well, who would have an airboat in any place that snows? Well, that's, maybe not. I don't know. See, that's where these guys had to transport the airboat. The videos I have here, they had to bring the airboats from southern states up to those cold, snowy states like Wyoming and so on. So, but they don't normally exist up here. I don't think people up here. Yeah, try that up here and see how far you go. Well, I think you could. I, okay. And, so, I'm, well, in some places, yes. You know, Alcova. Yeah. Sure. In fact, Boys right Reservoir. Now, I'm sure. Yeah. The Platte River. Go well if it's yeah. It doesn't matter if it's frozen or not. It's go the, all the way. Yes. Either if it's icy or not, an airboat would head right down the Platte River right about now, just tearing that sucker up, and you'll end up right in. Um, Lingle Fort Laramie. Yeah, sure. See, there's not many places an airboat can't go, but of course, if it's either wet or slippery, guaranteed that you can go ahead and get there. I'm thinking I might have to buy an airboat and bring it up to Wyoming. Oh, yeah, I can make money on it, too. National Football League, the Denver Broncos introduced their new head coach yesterday, Sean Payton. He has not coached since 2021 with the New Orleans, but has a solid track record with the Saints, including a Super Bowl win in 2009. His first priority with a dysfunctional Broncos franchise has turned the whole offense around. Quarterback Russell Wilson had a terrible season, and the Broncos used five draft picks and three players to get him from here, get him from Seattle. Denver was the lowest scoring team in the league, and Wilson had his own quarterback coach in the building, and Payton says, uh, no more of that. That's foreign to me. That that's not going to take place here. I mean, I, I'm I'm unfamiliar with it, but our staff will be here, our players will be here, and that'll be it. And having his own quarterback coach in the building probably didn't sit very well with some of his teammates. Denver has six straight losing seasons. They have not made the playoffs in seven straight years. The Broncos also sent their 2023 first-round draft pick, the 29th pick overall, and the second draft pick next season just to get Peyton in the building. Now, due to the fact that he was under contract with New Orleans through 2024. In boys' high school basketball, the 4A level over the weekend, first on Friday, number one Cheyenne East beat Sheridan 51-48. Second-rated Cheyenne Central lost to Natrona 55 535 Thunder Basin over Laramie 55-52. Kelly Walsh adds Evanston 48-46 and Campbell County buried Cheyenne South 101-52. On the boys' side from Saturday, Cheyenne East over Natrona 37-36. Central lost to Sheridan 77-68. Thunder Basin over South 75-31. Green River nip Kelly Walsh 77-75 and Campbell County defeated Laramie 84-71. For a girls from Friday, Cheyenne East over Sheridan 55-53. Central defeated Natrona 65-60. Thunder Basin over Laramie 59 to 48. Campbell County defeated Cheyenne South 82 to 47. Evanston over Kelly Wall 65 51. Then on Saturday on the girls side, East over Natrona 66 58. Cheyenne Central lost at Sheridan 63 48. Campbell County beat Laramie 75 47. Green River over Kelly Wall 69 32. And Thunder Basin over Cheyenne South 69 39. In the high school indoor track, last week's meet was up in Gillette for the boys. Merrick Cummings of Cheyenne East took the 55 meter dash. 
Central's Bridger Brokaw won the 800, with Natrona's Jackson Dutcher capturing the 1600. His teammate Tristan Enders won the 3200. His teammate Mason Wycombe was victorious in the 55 hurdles. His teammate Caden Lee placed first in the high jump. His teammate Gavin Hoff won the pole vault. Cheyenne Central's Richard Prescott won the long jump and the triple jump. This is in sports. There was a time that you and I could run. Yeah, well, <laughs> I can't really remember that. No, but it happened. In fact, when we were young enough, we never sat still. All we ever did was run. There were two positions. It was nap time or run. Right. And now it's either it's nap time and slug your way to the kitchen or bathroom, for that matter. That's yeah, about and, it. And, and take a break in between. Yeah, sort of. Yeah. All right, thank you, Frank. That's why you put chairs around your house so you can just kind of sit in Coming up on some... Local business we have taken. We're going to roll into news time after that. National local update on the weather forecast. Don't forget, 806, if all goes well, Harriet Hegeman, your Wyoming representative, will be on the program. Talk about the upcoming State of the Union address and what she's been doing since she's been watching. Time is 7.06. It's Wake Up, Wyoming. It is a Tuesday. Phone number to get involved. 888-97-WOODS. That's 888-97-W-O-O-D-S. If all goes well. Your Wyoming representative, Harriet Hegeman, will be on the phone at 8.06. She wants to talk about tonight's State of the Union address. Oh, God, the State of the Union. I could never watch those things. And she wants to talk about that and then also some of the committees she's on and what she's been doing since she's been in Washington, D.C. So that's 8.06. Meantime, this next story... Ladies and gentlemen, your favorite song. I like guns, I like the way they look. I like the shiny steel and the polished wood. I don't care if they're big or small. Therefore, say, well, I want them all. I like guns, I like guns, I like guns. Sometimes it's not so much the issue who's talking for or against it, but who is talking against it or for it. Here's the headline, another Cowboy State Daily story. Proposed relaxing of Wyoming gun laws would cause a problem. Okay, see, some people disagree with relaxing of certain gun laws. Fine. Says New York gun control activist. Why is a New York gun control activist in Wyoming? Because, you know, when I take a look at New York City and all of the gun issues they have, and they have more gun control in their city than most of the rest of the country, yet violence using guns, they're one of the worst cities for it. Not the worst, but one of the worst cities for it. So all of their gun control laws are doing what for them exactly? Has solved what in New York? All of the gun control laws in places like Los Angeles, San Francisco, Chicago, Detroit, all the gun control laws are working really well there, right? So we need some gun expert like this person to come here to Wyoming. This is as bad as when Dave from San Francisco calls this program and lectures us about what we're doing wrong. And yet we go take a look at the city of San Francisco and wow, what a mess they are. Sure, you come along and lecture us. Here's what the story says. As Wyoming legislators continue, they're considering several bills that make it easier to carry firearms in public spaces. There is evidence that those practices 
make things worse, said this New York City gun control advocate. Quote, we've seen things like guns routinely being left in bathrooms and on campuses. She said, said, Amy, oh my God, her last name is Pelosi. Oh, I wonder if there's any relation. Anyway, Amy... Andy, I'm sorry, Andy Pelosi said Cowboy State Daily. Executive director of the campaign to keep guns off campus, which is based in New York State, Pelosi was answering what he claims are flawed arguments for Wyoming concealed carry advocates who have said that, by the way, uh, guns have been left in bathrooms. How often has that happened? Maybe once? I did hear one time a story, this is many years ago, many years ago, a police officer who got in a lot of trouble went to a public toilet, took care of business. In order to take care of business, he had to take off his utility belt. When he left, he put everything back on, but his gun was left in the stall. You better believe he got in trouble for that. So so has something like that ever happened? Yeah, but people aren't just leaving guns all over the place. So that's a ridiculous argument. Quote, allowing firearms on college camp has led to problems and even some tragedies, Pelosi said. That's including more suicides or uh, predators using firearms for forced sexual assaults. How about this? How about allowing uh, young college girls to carry guns in case someone tries to sexually assault her? What about that? He cited some studies his group has compiled. Oh, so his group, okay, from reports of gun-related incidents on campus, including Colorado State University, concealed carry, allowing at uh, CSU. Quote, it generally isn't allowed at the University of Wyoming campus. Students or staff may carry at UW only if they've obtained a special permit from the university police for some pressing reason. For instance, if they have a stalker. That's one of those cases where, and the Supreme Court just settled on this, by the way. Remember, I think it was, did I say it was New York at the time? I think it was New York. But there was a case where they were, passed, they passed a law that, yeah, it was New York, in order to get a permit to carry a gun, concealed or otherwise, you had to go in front of a board and convince the committee that you needed to carry a gun because there was some threat to you. And it was up to them to decide if what you were saying was legit or not. And the Supreme Court struck that down. You don't need to go convince somebody of anything. You can conceal carry just because you want to. So if that's what the Supreme Court ruled, what does that do to the UW law? I don't know, but I'd like to find out. Some of the residents, the story says... And incidents in Colorado that keep guns off campus, they cite including uh, gunshot suicide. Okay, but here again, places that either have or don't have those laws, the same thing happens. You know, their idea is if we make a rule, a law, that you can't have guns on campus, then it would reduce suicides. No, because someone who wants to commit suicide is going to find the tool to do it. It doesn't matter if you take the gun away. In fact, just because you have a law that says they can't have a gun doesn't mean they're not going to go get one. But even if you took the gun away, they want to commit suicide. They're going to go look for a way to do it. It doesn't matter if they have a gun or not. 
And in 2017, they say at Fort Collins Community College, 26-year-old female student pulled a loaded gun on her professor after he confronted her about cheating. Okay. Now, again, that wouldn't have happened if he had a gun law? Who's to say that she wouldn't have carried the gun into the building anyway? You know, those gun-free zone signs, I hate to break it to you, really are not all that effective. So she could have pulled a gun on him anyway, or whatever other weapon. Overall, allowing guns on campus, the story says, and other previously uh, gun-free public spaces isn't uh, shown to diminish crime, but instead it increases the number of incidents such as suicide and so on. That's what he's trying to convince is it incre- because you've allowed guns, you've increased the number of incidents. Well, really, let's take a look at the state of Wyoming as, and, and other states as well that have. Because remember when we passed a law here in Wyoming that allowed you to carry a gun however you wanted to carry it. If you're a law-abiding citizen, you can buy whatever you want, carry it however you want. You don't have to ask anyone's permission. And we were told by gun control groups that, well— it's going to be a bloodbath. It's going to be like high noon in those old Western movies in Wyoming. Have you seen that happening? Now, correct me if I'm wrong. I haven't seen that happening anywhere. The Associated Students at the University of Wyoming oppose allowing concealed carry on campus. The group's representatives told legislators during the session as they discussed firearm-related bills. However, advocates for the bill, it's House Bill 105, if you want to look it up, and Senate File 135, argue that it violates the Second Amendment rights of Wyoming residents to allow concealed carry into buildings. They contend gun-free zones simply create soft targets for mass shooters. Now, I wonder, as these guys come in with their so-called studies saying, well, let's take a look at what happens, what about the fact that gun-free zones are favorite targets for mass shooters? How about bringing that up? You know, a mass shooter, if I put a sign outside of a building letting people know that the staff and management here and where I work, we're armed and dangerous, what's the odds of a shooting like that taking place? But if we put a gun-free zone sign up, now what are the odds? Uh, the pair of new bills introduced Wyoming to Senate Monday the story says, help allow concealed carry in Wyoming Capitol building, where civilians are now prohibited from carrying firearms. Senate File 149 would create an enhanced concealed carry permit. The current Wyoming concealed carry permit does not allow or does not require applicants to take any actual firearms uh, handling, uh, training, anything like that, which I'm always an advocate of. Under the bill, those regular concealed carry permits would still be available, but for people wishing to take it to the next level, enhanced concealed carry permit training would entail hands-on firearm safety courses, which I am a proponent of. Under Senate File 150, people who had obtained an enhanced concealed carry permit would be allowed to carry in places like the Capitol. And I'd like to see maybe even UW uh, campus, stuff like that. Tom in Laramie, Glenn, could you ask Harriet Hageman if she could look into stop taxing Social Security? Republicans need to step up and eliminate taxing Social Security once and for all. Okay. I can toss that one out there. 717 is the time. Wake up, Wyoming. 
7220 Sports Report is presented by Ford Trucks. Built Ford tough and Wyoming strong. Graham E.K. is not coming to save the day. Wyoming's six foot nine forward announced Friday that he will miss the entirety of the 2022-23 season with a lingering foot injury suffered in early November. The Mountain West preseason player of the year averaged nearly 20 points and 10 rebounds last year while leading the Cowboys to the NCAA tournament. Without E.K., Wyoming is limped to a 7-15 overall record and a 2-8 mark in conference play. Just over 24 hours after hearing the news that E.K. was shutting it down for the remainder of the year, the Cowboys turned the ball over 17 times in a lopsided 84-64 loss at San Jose State. Aside from a short spurt midway through the first, this one was over early. Did the EK News have an effect? I mean, it's hard to say. I mean, I mean we've been playing without him all year, so it wasn't, wasn't like anything changed in terms of what we were trying to do schematically. It was just a matter of just, you know, having some closure, but... Um, just got to kind of put that one in the rearview mirror and, and get ready for UNLV. It's the Ford Shine Bright sales event, and Ford is helping you be a light for others this holiday season. Right now, get special offers on select Ford trucks and SUVs. Come in and choose a vehicle in stock, or simply place a custom order, lock in your rate, and you're protected. Hurry in to your local Ford dealer today and find the Ford vehicle that helps you shine bright all season long. Not all models, trims, or features may be available or may be subject to change. Hey, Wyoming. The Wyoming Lottery wants you to know there's another reason to cheer on our pokes. If the Cowboys win, you win too. That's right. If the pokes win, then Cowboy draw tickets are buy one, get one free the Sunday after each game from 11 to 2 p.m. So let's go, Wyo. This has been the 7220 Sports Report presented by Ford. Built for America and built Ford Proud. 722 is the time. Wake up, Wyoming. I love pointing out there are some people, it's just to me hysterical, who go way over top when they want to make a point and they end up destroying their own cause because they've jumped the shark trying to make their point. They've just gone way too far. So the latest fat activists. Yes, there's such a thing as a fat activist. Let me just stop for a moment. Americans have gotten really overweight. Well, it's it's a worldwide problem. You know, as you keep hearing that, well, we have a problem in this world. There, we we have food insecurity around. We we we're running out of places to farm. We're running out of food. No, we're not. Obesity is a problem, especially in countries that are free market capitalist countries. Excess is the problem, not too little. And we're doing great managing it. But because of it, because we don't have to move around so much and we have all this free time to eat, because of that, we're getting fatter, a lot a lot fatter. In fact, sometimes it's really disturbing the number of really large people that I see everywhere I go. That is our fault for not eating properly and not moving but people who don't like being told that they're doing something unhealthy have become fat activists. And now they want to control every little bit of language out there. So the latest is using the phrase tightening the belt is fat phobic hate speech. Now, yeah, of course, tightening the belt is a fun and clever way of saying, Man, I'm going to have to cut back on my spending. Yeah, I'm not going to be able to eat as much, so I'm just going to tighten my belt and eat less until my belt fits. There, you see, that's where that comes from, right? It's an old saying. 
So the story here from PJ Media, if you've ever used the phrase tighten your belt to reference cutting down on expenses in order to save money, a professional fat activist, stop, a professional fat activist. Really? This person does this as a profession? Has decreed that your words are now, well, you're just being, you're, you're just mean. That's fat phobic and that's hate speech. No one has a fat phobia other than to say being way overweight is really bad for your health. It is. The idea, well, fat phobic. Here's what they said via Forbes magazine. Phrases like trim the fat, tighten the belt are fat phobic and unacceptable. This doesn't mean that we can't have autonomy and awareness, but maybe a middle ground could be used. How about intuitive spending instead of shaming people? How does it feel to spend time like this? How does it feel in my body? How does it? Okay, enough. It's okay. Just so you know, you don't need my permission. It's okay to say tighten the belt or trim the fat. Those things are perfectly fine. The story here says it's nearly impossible to logically work through what this person's laying down here. It's a very postmodern take on financial management to say tighten the belt. Okay. Imagine writing exclusively about fat exemptus as your career. That's what this person does. Remember I said they're a professional at this. This is what they do. They write exclusively about fat acceptance as their career. Who's paying them? Plus size, this is a quote, plus size needs to stop being a afterthought, according to this person. Uh, they met with an artist and founder who creates body diverse things, including, oh my God, you can buy body diverse candles. I never knew about that. Okay, anyway, I don't even, should I look up what that is, a body diverse candle? All right. The problem with people like this, the author says, they seem to somehow subscribe subconsciously to the notion that if they could just police the language more effectively, all negative connotations about obesity would go away. See, I don't even look at it as I, – I know there are people who will see someone who's really overweight and they'll pick on them. That's wrong. You shouldn't pick on people. You really shouldn't. You shouldn't pick on people. However, we do need to understand that being overweight is a bad thing. It's not healthy. You need to eat right. You need to exercise regularly. Trim it down. Get yourself in some – you don't have to be one of these body models that you see with the totally ripped everything. But if at least you're in good physical condition, you know, my parents' generation, everybody was thin. In fact, when I was growing up, it was very rare to find someone who was overweight. Now it's very typical to find overweight people, and it's not good for us. The life expectancy in America used to be the longest life expectancy on the planet. That slipped a bit over the years, quite a bit. And mainly it's because we're eating way too much. We're eating way too much junk at the same time, and we don't move a lot. Okay. So all anybody is saying is take care of yourself. No, you shouldn't insult someone because they're overweight, but everybody should understand we need to take care of yourself. But to say you can't say trim the fat, you can't say tighten the belt, that's fat phobic. There's someone who has a job, a profession, as someone who writes about 
fat phobias and being a fat person. That's what they do for a living. I think this person has run out of things to write about. And this is where they go now to the point that it becomes absurd. And as I said at the beginning of this, when you get that absurd, you start to hurt your own cause. You hear me do the same thing when it comes to the cult of climate change. They make so many absurd statements, assertions, just way over the top. So utterly ridiculous, there's no way we can take them seriously anymore. Coming up on 7.30, local news coming away right after local news update on the weather forecast. Then we have Doug, our man in Cheyenne. He's going to talk about uh, Wyoming legislators, what they're passing, a legislative update. After that, Don Day comes on. We update the weather, the live conversation. Frank has sports. Then national news, local news, weather forecast. And if all goes well, Harriet Hageman's coming on your representative in Washington, D.C. Talk about what she's been doing. And tonight's State of the Union. It's Wake Up Wyoming. Thirty-six. The time it's wake up, Wyoming. Just a couple minutes away from Doug Randall's legislative report. So, real quick, I play this. I thought about this just as we went into the news and information break there. So, according to somebody who does nothing but sit around professionally and write about issues regarding fat people, that's what this person does for a living. Apparently, if you say you're going to tighten your belt or trim the fat, you're being fat phobic, and that's hate speech. Yeah, that person has nothing else to write about. So I thought about that a minute, remembered, oh, yeah, there's this bit. I've tried just about everything, and I can't seem to lose weight. What if I told you there was something you could do? Really? What? I'll do anything. Eat less, move more. And? That's it. How does it work? (laughs) It's simple, really. You eat less food. And you move around more than you do now. It gets more complicated the more you describe it. Isn't there a pill I could take? Haven't you taken pills for dieting? I sure have. How'd that work out? I'm fatter now than I've ever been. Can't I just get a doctor to staple my stomach shut? You'd rather have invasive surgery than lose weight by eating less and moving around? At least I'd be asleep. How much will it cost? Nothing. It will cost nothing. In fact, you might actually save money. Uh, This is starting to sound like some sort of scam you do to an old person. But will I still have to move more? Yes. In God's name, will I remember all this? Now, there is another way to do this if you're trying to lose weight. Have you thought about maybe visiting... Venezuela. Want to lose weight without drugs, pills, or human rights? Then come to Venezuela, the most effective weight loss solution in history. Other diets are unrealistic. Regardless of how hard you try, your country still has food. But thanks to an ancient Soviet secret, we found a way. Here's how. Our government price controls lead, as they always do, to food shortages, leaving you unable to eat late at night or most other times. Gee, that sounds great. Won't I miss America? Please, we have plenty in common. You'll still find yourself standing in line for the latest release at the Apple Store. Like ESPN, we've gotten rid of some on-air talent. And we might be getting a Cracker Barrel. Look, there it is. 
I'm a journalist. Is Venezuela right for me? Of course. We've created designated free speech zones just for you. You won't believe how many calories you'll burn. Recycling, doing CrossFit, and taking community walks. Isn't that a violent protest? No, they're shooting a Pepsi commercial. Oh, that makes sense. But don't just take my word for it. Listen to one of our success stories. We have no toilet paper, but... It's okay, because we have no food. <laughs> when God closes a door, he opens a window. There is pie on the window. Learn how you can go from this to this. From this to this. From this. Well, what they've created in Venezuela is a socialist paradise. To this. What you had in Venezuela wasn't technically socialism. It was, um, Chavezism. Venezuela. Try it today. 739. See, there's a solution for everything. Wake up, Wyoming. This Wyoming legislative report is brought to you by the Wyoming Rural Electric Association, existing to lead, unify, and support the efforts of its member electric cooperatives. A bill aimed at preventing voter party registration just ahead of Wyoming primary elections has passed the Wyoming House and is now headed to the state Senate. You can read House Bill 103 by going to our website and clicking on a link. Opponents of crossover voting in Wyoming primary elections have been trying for years to get the practice banned so far without final success. Former President Donald Trump threw his support behind similar legislation last year in an effort to make sure his arch nemesis, then Representative Liz Cheney, was defeated in the 2022 GOP primary. That legislation failed, although Cheney went down to defeat by a wide margin anyway. The crossover voting opponents were energized even prior to that by the 2018 GOP gubernatorial election in which Mark Gordon defeated Foster Freeze. Gordon was widely viewed as the more moderate of the two leading candidates, and a phone campaign just ahead of the primary had urged state Democrats to cross over to the GOP primary to vote for Gordon. It's questionable whether Democrats provided Gordon's 9,000-vote margin of victory. Supporters of banning crossover voting, mostly Republicans, have said the current law allowing people to change their party affiliation right through primary election day allows Democrats to interfere in GOP primaries. Opponents have argued it restricts voters' rights to cast a ballot for whomever they support. They say voter freedom of choice should take precedent over the right of political parties to uh, choose uh, the uh, makeup of their primary electorate. This Wyoming legislative report is brought to you by the Wyoming Rural Electric Association, which exists to lead, unify, and support the efforts of its member electric cooperatives. Wyoming's rural electric cooperatives are rooted in our communities. We aren't just responsible for power. We strive to empower and support all the people we serve. Our electric co-ops provide over 900 stable and well-paying jobs in Wyoming's rural areas. And we have given back over $200 million to our communities in the last 10 years. We deliver affordable, reliable, and safe energy and believe in the power of community. Brought to you by the Wyoming Rural Electric Association. Asking the legislature to look out for all of our members. Wyoming Legislative Report's been brought to you by the Wyoming Rural Electric Association. 7.45 is the time to wake up Wyoming. I'll forgot to talk to Don Day from Day Weather. Don, I have not even bothered washing my car since October. It, it just, <laughs> it's not worth it. It just, you know, if I did it and I head up the road, what's gonna, what is it going to look like within a block? 
I know, but, you know, the car washing places need business, too. Okay, so we get that. At least I can go ahead and stand out in front of the car wash place and admire it before I take a trip. But it's because of all the wet weather we're having now. So we got a little bit of a smattering yesterday. So what do we do, a break and then get a little more? Yep, basically we're just going to see the weather repeat. We're okay. going to see another one of these quick-moving fronts come through tomorrow afternoon and tomorrow night. The end result will be about the same. The wind will pick up. There's going to be some snow shower activity, especially up in the mountains. But there'll be enough snow shower activity late tomorrow and tomorrow night on the plains, just enough of it, for some small accumulations, make roads and highways icy. And the air behind this front is pretty cold. Uh, Temperatures on Thursday won't get out of the 20s in many areas. And uh, it'll be single digits Thursday night. So uh, it's going to be another wave of cold. However, what you'll see is a pattern here. That will go through, and then from Thursday afternoon, probably through the weekend, there's not much going on. So from Thursday through Sunday, it actually gets a little warmer. No significant precipitation during that time frame before we start to see the weather get busy again towards next week. A little warmer, does that also mean that comes in with a little bit of wind over the weekend? A, a little bit, okay. yeah. Nothing nothing too bad, but this isn't that bad of a break that's coming. No, okay. It's still going to be pretty darn chilly thursday and friday but many areas this weekend we'll see the 40s again kind of like what happened last weekend so it'll be a little bit better for everybody's mental health this weekend let me tell you where i am no temperature wise see this morning i get up to head out to my car and i check the temperature and it says it's 24 so i put a light coat on you see what i mean it not until we really get into temperatures like when you say well you might get like negative one okay now i'll put a heavy coat on that's where we are right about now. In fact, uh, a couple of days ago, the sun came out. It was still in the 20s, and I took my coat off. See, that tells you how cold the winter's been. Yeah. That you've gotten used to it. Somebody sent me a picture of some kids playing basketball in shorts in Green River last week. See? <laughs> so it's all it's all relative. It really you know, does. After it's a after a while, you just get used to it. So it... You know, in, in something that you would think in, in October would mean a big coat is that, oh, it's not bad. <laughs> and when you tell me it's going to be 25 degrees on Thursday, and? <laughs> okay. I'm good. Thank you. Appreciate You're it. You're welcome. Don Day with David. Off we go to the ice box to talk to Frank Gambino. No, seriously, when he said 24 on Thursday, I was like, whatever. I, I just don't care, Frank, at that There's point. There's 24 hours in, on Thursday. Oh, that's true. Yeah, okay. So that's a degree an hour. Yeah. Okay, so, it's basically. You know what? It's winter. Yeah. <clears throat> Today is what? The 7th? Uh, <laughs> yeah. A long way to go, man. It's a long way. Just kind of get used to it. I think I pretty much am at this point. And by the way, I was thinking about something. I go ahead and I you know get in. I, I connect with Don Day, right? And I can hear him in queue. Okay. Now, I unfortunately... He's not like a guy I had some years ago. I would hook up with this weatherman, and I could listen to him in queue. And the kinds of stuff that this guy would be doing in his office and talking about with people, it was really entertaining. Well, that's the stuff we, we the rest of us should be listening to. Yes, and sometimes I would – one time I had a song playing on the air, and he was singing along with it. <laughs> and so I recorded it, and then after I got done with him on the air, I played it back for everybody to hear. This is what he does when he's on cue, just sitting there bored waiting for his time to get on the air. Don doesn't do anything. No, and neither do I because I yeah. I make sure that I'm not heard until I need to be heard. Exactly right. Just assume no matter where you are, there's a hot mic and a camera going on. Uh, I know. And just watch yourself there because the only thing I heard Don do was he sniffed. <laughs> that was it. God, it's just boring in his office, isn't it? Well, everyone has the sniffles. That's fine. I mean, but that's all he did. I'm listening for something interesting to happen. 
and nothing interesting is happening in Donde's office. So I'm really disappointed because this other guy was really entertaining. He would get bored waiting for his chance to get on the air, <laughs> and he would entertain himself. Well, which okay. would entertain me. Yeah. What do you do in your studio? You just sitting there staring at the wall? I, I try to come in here at the very last minute. Oh, okay. That makes sense. So you just sit down, put your headphones on, and just off stare we, for maybe a minute. Off we go. And then off you go with that kind of stuff. Off okay. we go. Yeah, okay. And then I notice that when you're done here, you zip out. I mean, yeah, you're I'm downstairs yeah, got, in a blink of an eye. Yeah, I got, you know, I'm, I'm in my lair. I'm yeah. subterranean. I got gotcha. you. You know, and I even got a lamp in my office. So now. you actually prefer the downstairs office to yourself? Well, only because it is warmer down there. Right. You know, up here it's colder. Go talk to Miss Mary about that. Well, She'll yeah, tell you. I know. <laughs> oh, and by the way, yeah. we got a coffee delivery this morning. Oh, did we? Oh, good. Okay. See, we'll make your day. In the National Football League, the Denver Broncos introduced their new head coach in Sean Payton. He has not coached since 2021 with New Orleans, but has a solid track record with that team, including a Super Bowl win in 2009. His first priority with a dysfunctional Broncos franchise has turned the offense around. Quarterback Russell Wilson had a terrible season. Denver was the lowest scoring team in the league, and Wilson had his own quarterback coach in the building, and Payton says, uh, no more of that. Denver has six straight losing seasons. The Broncos sent their 2023 first-round draft pick, which is the 29th pick overall, and a second-round draft pick to the Saints just to get him here due to the fact he was still under contract there. So he, um, Peyton says, you know what, it's time to get back to the sidelines and does trust the Broncos' front office. But I felt really good about my early conversations with Greg and then having a chance later to meet um, Kerry and Condi and George. George and I, man, we've competed against each other, our clubs, for years. And I've just, there's so many people that I know that are close with him, and it kept, it kept coming back the same way. Oh, we'll see how this goes. Also in the NFL, yes, the Super Bowl is this Sunday in Arizona as the Kansas City Chiefs will take on the Philadelphia Eagles. The Eagles are a point-and-a-half favorites in the game. That starts at 4.30 on Sunday. And boys' high school basketball at the 4A level over the weekend, first on Friday. Number one, Cheyenne East beat Sheridan 51-48. Second-rated Cheyenne Central lost to Natrona 55-35. Thunder Basin over Laramie 55-52. Kelly Walsh adds Evanston 48-46. Campbell County a winner over Cheyenne South 101-52. On the boys' side, on Saturday, Cheyenne East nipped Natrona 37-36. Central lost to Sheridan 77-68. Thunder Basin over Cheyenne South 75-31. Green River nipped Kelly Wall 77-75. And Campbell County a winner over Laramie 84-71. 4A girls from Friday, Cheyenne East over Sheridan 55-53. Cheyenne Central beat Natrona 65-60. Thunder Basin over Laramie 59-48. Campbell County over Cheyenne South 82-47. Evanston over Kelly Wall 65-51. Then on from Saturday from the girls' side, East over over Natrona 66-58, Central lost to Sheridan 63-48, Campbell County over Laramie 75-47, Green River beat Kelly Wall 69-32, and Thunder Basin over Cheyenne South 69-39. If all goes well, if the forecast holds, it looks like this weekend you might actually be able to go to one of these events you've been wanting to go well, to. Well, uh, like to actually travel? Yeah. You know, in, in, in relative safety? Right. You know, what? What? Yeah. I mean, just a little bit of a breeze. Who means knew? Maybe a tailwind to get down there. You can actually get out of the building and go do something. So, Who knew? Any plans? Well, now that I I, I, I got to rethink this whole yeah, thing. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. If, yeah. I mean, you could actually... I need to get out of town, too. I've just been stuck inside every single weekend. Cabin like fever's a real thing, man. Yeah, it is, man. It is. All right. Thank you, Frank. And to, to answer my sister's question, no, not that. <laughs> I just... 
But I used to have this weatherman that while he was on hold waiting to get on the air with me, he would entertain himself. <laughs> and it was really funny to listen to. And sometimes, unbeknownst to him, I would record it. And then after he left, I would play it back on the air so everybody could hear what he was doing when he thought he was alone in the studio. <laughs> Don Day doesn't do that. Wake up, my own. Eight oh six the time. It's Wake Up Wyoming. My name is Glenn Woods. Thanks for joining me. Your Wyoming Congresswoman Harriet Hageman's on the phone with us right now. Morning, Harriet. Hope you're doing well out there in DC. I am doing very well, Glenn. Thank you for having me. Sure. Uh, just a warning about tonight's State of the Union address. Uh, it happened to a lot of people who hear Joe Biden talk. You will roll your eyes up in your head. Some people have done it so far that they've, their eyes have actually come around and back up from the bottom, which causes all sorts of problems. You'll end up seeing an optometrist. You'll have surgery afterwards, basically. It gets that bad. How you put up with a State of the Union address in person like that, I don't know. But this is this your first one? I think it is, right? This is my first one, and I think that I'm looking forward to the experience. Okay. It ought to be interesting to watch everybody come out and put on a show who are you sitting with, do you know? I don't know yet. I am taking my husband, but he will be up in the gallery. Uh, so I will be sitting on the floor with my fellow representatives. Okay. Well, your husband's going to be really proud to see you sitting down there like that. Okay. <laughs> so what do you expect from the president during the State of the Union address and from the Republican response? Well, I think that they've signaled what they're what they're going to talk about, and they're going to account what they believe are all of his accomplishments. The problem is, is that it's, that's absolute spin. Everything that he counts as an accomplishment, I count as further degradation of the United States. Right. Highest inflation since Jimmy Carter, astronomical fuel prices, a broken supply chain, crime off the charts, out of control, uh, illegal immigration, fentanyl flooding our border. Uh, you can just go on and on, and by every metric that you look at to determine the health of our country, this administration has failed. When you even take a look at the recent unemployment numbers that come out, they never want to take a look at what you know the U6 index, the workforce participation rate, and for that matter, how many people can afford to live right about now as you're talking inflation rate. Those are the numbers they tend to leave out, I find. Well, and poll after poll after poll shows that the vast majority of the people in this country believe that they're worse off now than they were two years ago. The economics of the situation is just not something that you could cover up, but that's what they do. But again, you know, one of the things I keep thinking about with this is we keep getting to new normal. So we get to a situation where we have $5 a gallon gasoline and everybody's hair is on fire and we're, you know, that that's too high. You can't it's going to destroy our economy, and it is. And then pretty soon you hear the Democrats and Biden saying, well, it's better than it was last week. What they do is they ratchet things in the wrong direction, and then when we call them out and say this isn't a good situation, they act as though that's a new normal, that it's perfectly okay to have diesel prices to make it difficult for farmers and ranchers to make a living. It's perfectly okay to go to war with our energy industries and import from countries like Russia Venezuela and Iran. So what they keep doing is they keep setting a new baseline, and every one of their baselines are bad for America. 
Uh, by the way, Tom in Laramie wanted me to ask if you could look into stop taxing Social Security. Okay. Not just a thought. Uh, <laughs> I, I, that's something that I've always found interesting that we do. Uh, yeah. And I, I do know that the Republicans are working to try to make sure that we can shore up and protect Social Security. One of the ideas that I've had is there's such an enormous amount of waste, fraud, and abuse in this government. I just came out of a, out of a conference meeting, and there, there was a slide put up showing $1 trillion in waste and money, COVID money that hasn't been spent yet, uh, all these different numbers. That, and it, and it, all of the numbers added up. I, t- I tell you what the specific metrics were, but my phone's up to my ear. Mm-hmm. Uh, I took a photograph of it. But all of these metrics add up to a trillion dollars. What I want to do is let's start going after that money, pulling it back into the federal government, and every dime of it should go to shoring up Social Security and Medicare. Yeah. Um, we, we need to be thinking about things like that. We don't need to grow government. The government doesn't have a revenue problem. Our government has a spending problem. You mentioned a committee you were just sitting in on. You have to get on committees in order to be effective as a congresswoman. So you're on a few. Judiciary Committee, to name one. I am on the Judiciary Committee. We had our first hearing last week on the open border. It was incredibly enlightening. I would encourage people to go watch the video. Uh, we had a sheriff, uh, and we also had a mayor, the mayor of El Paso, or excuse me, the, the, the district judge of El Paso, and then we had a, a gentleman whose son overdosed on fentanyl at 15 years old. I'm also on the select subcommittee on the weaponization of the federal government, and we're going to go after and expose uh, and address and come up with legislation to make sure that our federal government cannot do what it's been doing for quite some time now. Almost every single agency, whether it's the uh, Department of, of Justice, Department of Interior, the FBI, EPA, USDA, our agencies have been weaponized against us. We need to expose it, and we need to draft legislation to fix it. And then my third subcommittee that I'm on, I'm heading to right now, in fact, so I'm a little bit out of breath, but I'm on the Natural Resources Committee, and I am the new chairman of the subcommittee on Indian and Insular Affairs. So I will be working with our 564 tribes across the United States, and I will also be overseeing uh, the United States territory, okay. uh, Puerto Rico, Guam, U.S. Virgin Islands, etc. As a attorney, you fought the federal government on many cases. That includes the Environmental Protection Agency. You know, I, we've talked about this before in person. One of my biggest pet peeves about Congress is when they write a law, it's basically an outline, and then they hand it over to the bureaucracy to write what they call the rules, which I look at as actually writing the law. And these people just sit around day after day, like working a 40 or more hour week, just writing the next law without it going through any elected officials. It looks to me like that's where we get out of control agencies. It, it, it's, it's the biggest issue. It's the biggest crisis I believe we face in this country. We are losing our republic, and we are turning into almost a dictatorship, but the dictatorship is administrative agencies in Washington, D.C. So I, that is, is the biggest issue that I have flagged that I will, will, will be working on. I have signed on to the RAINS Act, the reintroduction of the RAINS Act, but I also want a standalone bill that for any regulation that has an impact, a financial impact of over $100 million, it must be voted on by Congress before it can go into effect. Is $100 million a lot of money? Yes, it is, but it's a start. It's at least some place where we could start where we could be reigning in these agencies because the impact that they're having on our economy, on our businesses, on our industries, on our ability to 
produce food and housing and, and energy is just absolutely astronomical. NEPA and the Endangered Species Act are, are two extremely destructive pieces of legislation that are not used to protect our environment or our or or wildlife. They're used to control land use and 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 and, uh, uh, and empower the bureaucrats in Washington D.C. And so those are some of the things that we need to be looking at. But I absolutely agree with you. Administrative overreach is destroying our republic. Okay, last one for you. Culture shock. Cheyenne to Washington, D.C. I miss home. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I miss Wyoming. I miss, <laughs> I miss my family. And um, But, you know, it's a lovely place to be. The history, the, the number of people I'm meeting, the allies that I'm making, the relationships I'm building, it's absolutely one of the greatest honors I've ever had to be able to represent the state of Wyoming back here. I will be coming home this weekend. I'm going to be going to the Central Committee meetings in, in Thermopolis, then heading to Gillette for a town hall. So I'm getting right back at it just as soon as I get back. I'll be back in Wyoming on Friday. All right, Congresswoman Harriet Hageman, thanks for coming on this morning. Thanks, Glenn. We'll talk to you soon. All right, 8.15, wake up Wyoming. This Wyoming Travel Network update brought to you by YDOT, reminding you to celebrate the big game responsibly. Don't drink and drive. Eight twenty is the time. It's Wake Up Wyoming. We're back to the regular program and open phones. Now, if you missed the conversation with Harriet Hegeman, that'll be on after the show becomes a podcast. When the program is over, it renders up and becomes a podcast. You can always go back and listen. So if people have asked me, how do I get to that? Because they can't find it. Uh, Wake Up Wyoming app is free to download at your app store. Then all you have to do is on there's a toolbar you'll see there about in the middle. As you load it up on your phone, you'll see a toolbar about in the middle. On the left side is on demand. Touch that. Touch the episode you want, which would be today's in that case. And you can listen, rewind, fast forward, pause it, whatever you want to do. And it's condensed getting rid of news and so on. So you can listen at your pace. And not having to take up an entire four-hour episode either. It's condensed quite a bit from that just to get to the meat of the program. All right, open phone. So. Warning. Wake Up Wyoming is about to enter daily open phones. This means that anyone will be allowed to call in and talk about anything. I mean, imagine if we actually allowed you on air to say anything you wanted. Scary, right? Well, we're just that brand of crazy. If you are offended by what other people think, then maybe you want to tune out right about now. Just saying. If you should choose to call, just remember, the more funny and interesting you are, the longer Glenn will keep you on the line. Obnoxious jerks will be hung up on. <coughs> Dave, <coughs> all right, strap in and let's do this thing. Triple eight ninety seven Woods the phone number. That's 888-97-W-O-O-D-S. Talk about what I'm talking about or change the subject. Would you like to become a tree when you die. Company offering to plant a tree in your corpse. Hmm. However, when it comes to Wyoming, Cowboy State Daily Story, it says it sounds like a greatest green burial options. When you die, have a tree planted over your decomposing body so it grows. It's living on parts of you. Process allows the body's nutrients to directly feed the tree and help it grow. According to a website, We Transcend, relatively new company out of Brooklyn, New York, that proposes reforesting the planet. Let's pause for just a minute. The planet, it, they keep saying reforesting the planet. 
there's this idea out there that, well, we're just deforesting everything and it's just all disappearing. We're not going to have any trees left. There are more trees in North America than in the year 1900 because we started using things like coal and natural gas and making electricity, but also because of the way we farm now, which is heavily reliant on petroleum products too, we create more food than ever before on less land, creating a massive abundance for the world. So whole forests have been replanted and growing back. So I reject the idea, we've got to reforest the planet over It already is, and getting bigger all the time. Okay, so anyway, just go ahead and plant a tree over a decomposing body or pet, right? And while becoming a tree when you die sounds like the ideal eco-friendly practice, it's not something that can be done just anywhere. Experts in the Wyoming funeral industry say there's barriers to turning your decomposing body into plant food. In northeast Wyoming, Campbell County Cemetery District operates a number of cemeteries, including Gillette Showpiece Mount Pisgah Cemetery, which, by the way, oh, hang on. So Gillette, they built a um, old folks home. It's a building several tori- stories tall, right, where people who are retired and needing assistance in their living can stay. And if you look out the windows of one side of the building where all these bedrooms are, right there out the window rises up a hill, which is the cemetery. And I thought, oh, that's good. So these people can see where they're going next. Well done. Anyway, allowing people to plant trees over the corpses of loved ones presents a number of challenges, according to the district superintendent up there in Gillette. Mount Pisgah has been around for about 130 years, and so there are certain things that they're locked into. He cited funeral regulations and pre-planned plots, as well as landscaping and maintenance issues. We Transcend founder told Cowboy State Daily that he heard about the concept several years ago and proposed it to a company starting in Italy, then coming to the United States. He decided he wanted to be buried using a method, but learned the company hadn't actually created a business model for tree pod burials. Did you think about you were going to think of like a topic like this when you got up this morning? Well, why not? Let's break it up. Well, this thing that I had mentally signed on to in my mind for a day didn't exactly exist, he said. And so I wanted to be a tree when I died. If I did so, I needed to go actually create it. So he knew quite a bit about how to make the business grow, pun intended. He was on the seventh employee he hired at Uber and has a background in real estate. He puzzled over how to monetize this thing. He says, um, a twice daily, uh, well, in any, anyone in the morning, he meditates, basically what he said. That's when he thought about the whole thing. So finally, he took his idea to reality. Okay. He says, the process is carefully planned out. The body is wrapped in biodegradable, 100% organic flax linen, lowered into the, the grave, really, which they call the bed, like a plant bed, with locally sourced wood chips to help decomposition. The company's personal blend of 
mushroom soil, wood chips, is spread above the body to help nourish things, right? She said there's a specific way to do it so that you're optimizing what the tree is going to get out of you. Additionally, if the family chooses, people can be planted near each other. So you can have trees growing next to each other that were mom and dad. Quote, we know about how forests, well, communicate with their roots and so on. So you would, in fact, still be in communication with your loved ones. Natural burial is legal in all 50 states, he explained. Natural burial or burial without embalming fluid and without ornate caskets and metals and so on and stuff like that, that's absolutely legal. There's just a very complicated rules as to how to handle the body. That's the problem. So Wyoming has some of the more broadly written laws when it comes to cemetery and funeral regulations, which might make it easier for Wyoming residents to choose tree burial pods. See, if you're living in Wyoming, you can do this. Burial experts told Cowboy State Daily, uh, local regulations and other obstacles may prevent planting people in trees in the same place here. We have about uh, 18,000 trees in our cemeteries, and every family always wants to be right by each other. Right? Edmonds said that most cemetery districts in the state have a specific plot map. So they can't, if you want to do this in a cemetery, you might not be able to do it in certain cemeteries. They're already plotted out. So here again is, and I hate this, reforesting earth with death. You don't need to reforest the earth. I've already explained why, but okay. He said the cemetery district performs several green burials with deceased people just wrapped in a blanket and lowered into a traditional grave without a casket. But he said at the same level, there, there really are no requirements. But he said there is room in the planning process for stuff like this. I wonder, can you just – I don't know the rules here. Can you just go ahead and do this without having to actually go to a cemetery? Hmm. I don't know. I mean, can you just plant a body, private property, something like that? You should be able to, right? Tom in Laramie, thanks, Glenn, for asking my question. She avoided it and talked about something else. Rhiannon, for danger, I would like to say, Glenn, that I enjoyed your interview with Hagebin. I hope she will continue to do right by Wyoming. Grandpa Rich in Thermopolis Morning, has anyone said anything about the real weather blooms yet? No, I don't think anyone has. Coming up on some local news, update on your weather forecast. Nice long segment of open phones, so you can jump in about anything. 888-97, what's the phone number? This is 888-97-W-O-O-D-S. Wake up, Wyoming. Thirty-six. The time. It's wake up, Wyoming. Bunnies in Cheyenne. Morning, Bunny. Hi, Glenn. She said, Representative uh, Harriet Hageman. Sounds like Liz Cheney. That is until Liz became a one-issue gal. Actually, Liz Cheney did a lot of good for not just the country but the Republican Party in the state of Wyoming. If you took a, take a look at what she accomplished when she was our representative in the House, it was quite a bit. And she became a very powerful member of the House. She was actually in line to become Speaker of the House at one point, which would have been great for us. And then 
the whole Trump fiasco happened, and that just completely ruined everything. I, but we, I'm not going to rehash all of that with you, but people have asked me before, what has Liz ever done for us? Go look at her record a lot until she blew it. And as Bunny saying, became this one-issue person. All right. For those who tuned in a little bit later on this morning, because I know not everybody's up at 6 o'clock, i got to run this by you real quick. So, <laughs> I just love this. Apparently, some wind farms have been busted running diesel power. Yeah, and these are over in Scotland, but I've talked about this happening in America, too. I just didn't hear it about with diesel power. Wind farms busted for using diesel power to keep warm. As I've talked about before, when temperatures get really cold, the machinery, but also the different fluids, which includes petroleum products, but different fluids get all hard and gunked up, you know. Damage can be done to whether it's hardware or the fluids, whatever the case is. So wind turbines have to be kept warm when it gets really cold out there. Well, some wind farms in Scotland were busted. When the temperature drops below a certain level, they fire up diesel generators to keep the wind turbines warm so no damage has been done. Story about that is on the Wake Up Wyoming site this morning. Isn't that just precious? All right, then there's this one, a story I came across. I like this guy's name. D. Roy Murdoch is his name. Democrats want you, he writes, to believe gas stove bans were a figment of your imagination. This is gaslighting. Pun intended. Southern Democrats attacked the U.S. Army at Fort Sumter in South Carolina, he says, on April 12, 1861, having ignited the Civil War. Southerners had the chutzpah to call it the War of Northern Aggression. Likewise, Democrats unleashed today's war on gas. Inspired by their Confederate ancestors, they blamed their victims who complained that the left is stealing their natural gas and powered appliances. Democrats first shot? Well, when Americans fight back, Democrats and their media bodyguards, he writes, accuse conservatives of letting slip the dogs of the culture war. Well, this is one of those cases where whenever somebody, a lot of people do this, when they're being proven wrong, they start name-calling because they have no argument left, right? So Tucker Carlson recently compiled a, uh, a list of relative Democrat lies on the issue. Quote, this is delusional drivel from the harem of the unhinged over at Fox News said one Democrat Pennsylvanian. It's not, no, it it wasn't delusional. It it was happening and is still happening. MSNBC's Heidi Hansen denounced the imaginary ban on gas stoves are all getting mad about over on Fox News. It's not an imaginary thing. Again, this, this came right out of the bureaucracy. I read you it myself what they were proposing. They had to back off what they're proposing. Now they're trying to find other ways to get around this. Quote, you have Ron DeSantis saying, I'm going to protect your gas stove. On Morning Joe with Joe Scarborough, gas stove, gas stove, it's so stupid. Well, but again, it was happening. Beneath a graphic chat that read, GOP distracts from unpopular agenda with culture wars, MSNBC said Republicans refuse to have gas stoves pried out of their cold, dead hands. 
equating it with God, country, and what have you. And Washington Post headline, GOP thrust gas stoves Biden's green agenda into the culture wars. Okay, now, July 23rd, 2019, Berkeley became the first U.S. city to ban natural gas. I remember reporting about that. Berkeley actually banned natural gas. Here's what they mean for the future. Read a headline in The Guardian. Natural gas, it seems, has become the new new climate crisis front line. February 2nd, 2021, Seattle bans natural gas in a new building. Local television station reported the ban on appliances like gas furnaces, gas water heaters in new construction is part of a revised energy code. The code proposed by the mayor at the time passed by Seattle City Council 9-0. But this was all a figment of your imagination, right? December 15, 2020, 2021, New York City banned gas in new buildings. Here's what you need to know, said the headline. And the mayor said the city council on Wednesday passed a bill making New York the largest city in the United States to effectively ban the use of gas in new buildings and turn to pure electrical power. I guess they were hoping for wind and solar. May 27, 2022, L.A. is banning most gas appliances in new homes. The Los Angeles Times observed, get ready for all electric stoves. I'm not done. October 26, 2022, U.S. Consumer Product Safety Commission meeting minutes featured 15 different references to natural gas. The commissioner said, quote, by March 1st, 2023, staff will prepare and submit to the commission a request to seek public input on hazardous or the hazards associated with gas stoves and propose solutions to those hazards. January 11, 2023, U.S. federal agencies considering ban on gas stoves, CNN declared the White House that day, uh, Joe Biden, gas phobia, they said. January 13, 2023, let's say gas stove ban for new homes in 2025, reported WRGB CBS Albany, New York affiliate about the Empire State's the governor and what they were proposing. Let's see. Uh, February 1st, 2023, gas stoves are back under scrutiny, said Bloomberg News, said first of their kind limits on energy consumption for the stoves. So here you're being told by the news media on the left and Democrats on the left, well, you're talking about banning gas stoves. Or who's talking about banning Nobody. That's just delusional behavior. Really? Then what was all that that I just read? Sounds to me like they're, they want to, and they're still trying to because there's new limits that have been proposed on gas stoves. And they want new standards. So if you do get a gas stove for your home, it's going to be under their standards, new standards that the bureaucracy is going to write. Again, this is not something that goes through Congress. DJ and Gillette, gas stove? What about gas fireplaces and furnaces? Oh, they want to ban those too. No, no, that's part of what I was just reading to you there. They, it's not just the gas stoves, but yeah, the fireplaces, the furnaces. They want places to be all electric. And then all electric is to be powered by uh, unicorn gas. 845, wake up Wyoming.
And, okay, if Frank, if you're there, I can't hear you. Wait a second. I'm here. There Hello. you are. I got yeah. you now. I had to re-hit that button because this is an old board. Casper uh, Nordic Ski Meet, nice pictures there, young people skiing. You know, there mm. are some folks that actually like winter. Yes. And those are some of them. Okay, now. I think that, um, and I'm not a Nordic skier by any stretch, but right. there are the trail system on Casper Mountain oh, yeah. is first class. I have walked it. First in this, class. In the uh, summertime, I've walked it. It's really nice. Here's my only thought on this. So I'm looking at all these young people. Okay, they're all in their Nordic ski outfits, yeah. which are all like skin tight, like superhero yeah, costumes. Yeah, you, you right? want to be aerodynamic yes, in this Yes, very good. Thing, yeah. yeah. Now, when you're at that age, Frank, you can pull that off. Right. But as we get older. <laughs> they, you know what? They still wear it. Adults still yeah. wear, will wear something like that, yeah, but right. not, not skin tight like that. Uh-huh. I mean. There's. Yeah, you gotta have got something that with a little more room and padding on it to hide well, all. Well, in, ca- in case you fall down. Too. The padding that you have now as an adult that's natural. Right. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, yeah. I mean, so let the let the young people do that. Was they are racing. Yes, and they look good in those outfits. Yeah. The we, rest. We the wouldn't. rest of the people up there, they're just you know going for just yeah. Is it where exercise? I'm going with this is okay. So in the Marvel movie series, the actor that played the Incredible Hulk. They put him in a green tight suit Mm -hmm. and then just projected with computers the Hulk as he acted. Yeah. Right. Okay. He said the problem with those green skin tight suits is everything that you want to look smaller looks bigger and everything (laughs) you want to look bigger looks smaller. Okay. Yeah. All righty then. That's where I take a look at. There's all of these young people here. They all got their skis on. They're heading down the Casper Trails, which look look remarkably well groomed, and they all look great in those – you know, skin tight outfits. However, if you and I went up there, I would say, no, Frank, I'm wearing sweatpants. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. Or, or they would uh, eject us from the, from, I, I, from the ground. Exactly, yeah. See, there are human decency standards around here. Boys High School basketball at the 4A level from over the weekend. First on Friday, number one Cheyenne East beat Sheridan 51-48. Second rated Cheyenne Central lost to Natrona 55-35. Thunder Basin, the winner over Laramie 55-52. Kelly Walsh adds Evanston 48-46. Campbell County buried Cheyenne South 101-52. On the boys' side from Saturday, Cheyenne East nipped Natrona 37-36. Central lost to Sheridan 77-68. Thunder Basin over South 75-31. Green River nipped Kelly Walsh 77-75. Campbell County over Laramie, 84-71. In 4A girls from Friday, Cheyenne East over Sheridan, 55-53. Cheyenne Central beat Natrona, 65-60. Thunder Basin over Laramie, 59-48. Campbell County outlasted Cheyenne South, 82-47. Evanston beat Kelly Wall, 65-51. From Saturday on the girls' side, East over Natrona, 66-58. Central lost at Sheridan, 63-48. Campbell County over Laramie, 75-47. Green River beat Kelly Wall, 69-32. Thunder Basin over Cheyenne South. 69 to 39. In the National Football League, the Denver Broncos did introduce their new head coach yesterday in Sean Payton. He has not coached in the NFL since 2021 uh, with New Orleans, but he had a solid track record with that franchise, including a Super Bowl win in 2009. His first priority with a dysfunctional Broncos franchise is turn the offense around. Quarterback Russell Wilson had a terrible year, and the Broncos used five draft picks and three players to get him from Seattle. Denver was the lowest scoring team in the league, and Wilson had his own quarterback coach in the building last season, and Peyton says, uh, well, no. That's foreign to me. That, that's not going to take place here. I mean, I, I'm, I'm unfamiliar with it, but our staff will be here, our players will be here, and that'll be it. 
Denver has six straight losing seasons. The Broncos sent their 2023 first-round draft pick, the 29th pick overall, and a second-round draft pick next season to New Orleans just to get Peyton here due to the fact that he was under contract with the Saints through 2024. High school indoor track and field. Last week's meet was up in Gillette on the boys' side. Merrick Cummings of Cheyenne won the 55-meter dash. Central's Bridger Brokaw won the 800. The Toronto's Jackson Dutcher captured the 1600. His teammate Tristan Enders won the 3200. His teammate Mason Wycom victorious in the 55 hurdles. His teammate Caden Lee placed first at the high jump. His teammate Gavin Hoff won the pole vault. And Cheyenne Central's Richard Prescott won the long jump and the triple jump. That's in the sports. See, now the next one is can we even jump? Because anyway, I'd asked you before, you know, about, but now can, it's just, we're getting slower. I'm, I'm afraid. Well, yeah, say, I mean, yeah. There, there's, there's, we, we can do less every day. Yeah, every day. That's why I was saying last hour, we used to run everywhere and our parents told us to stop running. Yeah, and then that, there's no jumping, you know. Yeah. This is where I told you, I think uh, about a week or so ago, there's a big difference. It used to be when you fell down, all your friends laughed. You know you're getting old when you fall down. Everybody asks if you're okay. Yeah, yeah really. Should we, should, yeah, should, really. Should we call an ambulance or something? Yeah, right. Changes a lot. Thank you, Frank. <laughs> Coming up on some local business that we're rolling into. After that's going to be news time. National local update on the weather forecast. Morning, Robin. She's in Casper sending me a note. Jeez, Glenn. Got a wine after listening to... <laughs> okay. I'll take a look at it. Thanks for letting me know, Robin. It's Wake Up, Wyoming. Nine oh six to the time. It's wake up, Wyoming. My name is Glenn Woods. All right, triple eight ninety seven Woods. The phone number that's eight 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 ninety seven W O O D S. All right, stop the music for just a second here. I was kidding when I said this to to Miss Mary earlier this morning. Let me explain some. See, wake up, Wyoming does have a TikTok page, in which all I do is every so often I think of something funny, and I make a quick little video and I put it up on TikTok and. It gets pretty good response. A lot of people see it, you know, spread it around. So this morning, oh, Rich, you're going to like this. Rich, your call is perfect. Hold on just a minute. Let me explain this to you, and then you can help me out. Rich is calling about the balloon. So I had put up a video, which I had noticed that the Chinese balloon crossed right over Devil's Tower. So I thought about something funny to say about it, and I put up a TikTok video. Usually our TikTok videos do really well. All day went by and only 15 people saw it. And so this morning I said to Miss Mary, well, it is a Chinese company. You think maybe they're sort of shadow banning? Just found this headline. China tries to play down balloon dispute with censorship and memes. And it goes into exactly what I was kidding about this morning. Holy cow. Hey, morning, Rich. Morning. What you got? Um, have you ever seen him put up a weather balloon? Uh, not in person, no. Okay, because like uh, 77 through 79, the Air Force come down there to Panama. We're stationed down there in the wintertime, and they put up a weather balloon. And I always thought, you know, when they put it up, they collect all the information they want going up. But um, they take these frames. It's really crazy. They they got like these two by two by two by two frames, and they have these little, you know, motor things with uh, fans that you know collect the whatever they wanted at different altitudes, right? Mm-hmm. To get uh, the information. So 
So anyway, what they do is they launch it. But once it gets up to what the top height is, then they, they lower it down and start collecting all that uh, information going down. And then like a C-130 comes through with that goodie on the front that scoops it up and lets the balloon go loose. So I, I just thought I'd let everybody know. Oh, they used to tell me whatever we put up like now will affect our weather 10 years from now. Uh, okay. This is back in seven. Seven, yeah, you know. So I just thought it was interesting. Not no. sure they were right about that last part, but by okay. Well, yeah. that's back in '77. Yeah. Okay. It's, okay, you know, we've come a long way. Okay. But I'm just, you know, this thing was up there. It wasn't like, you know, I'm going like, well, what are they measuring? You I know, would like to there, know what they're measuring because you know? it was a long way off and way up, like sixty some thousand feet. Yeah, so I don't know well, what they were doing way up there. Oddly enough, to answer your question about that Japanese thing, it landed out here in the Buffalo pasture. I did some yeah. research on it. I just thought it'd be interesting. Okay. Well, I do know that one, the the Japanese balloons that they were sending over during World War II, yeah, one didn't land in Thermopolis. A couple of others landed in Wyoming. The deaths that occurred happened in places like Utah. There were six people that were yeah. killed because of that. Nobody got hurt with the one that came down here, but I just, you know. When I told you last week, you were wondering one of them was here. So okay, all right. Hey, thanks for calling. That's uh, Grandpa Richie's calling from Thermopolis. Triple eight ninety seven Woods is the phone number. That's eight 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 ninety seven W O O D. As you can talk about what I'm talking about, change the subject. Fine by me. I do think it's interesting though that I was wondering why didn't my TikTok video really get any traction? Fifteen people saw it. I mean, usually it's like 15,000 or 150,000 people. So why so few people? So that's why I wondered, you know, well, Chinese company, are they de-emphasizing it? I'm beginning to suspect after, especially after seeing that article, what's essentially that's what they were saying. All right, get a load of this. I like, I've gone to several uh, war reenactments, like Civil War reenactments, things like that. I like talking to the people who are in period dress. And some of them walk around in character in period dress the whole time, right? And then watch the war reenactment and so on. All right, PJ Media. The war against battle reenactments is a blow to history and tradition. There's a war against battle reenactments? He writes, 40 years ago, I took the opportunity to attend the 120th anniversary of Battleground at Gettysburg. I never saw a Civil War quite the same way ever again. Dozens of events during that day around the country highlighting spirited featuring Civil War people in dress firing muskets and so on. Apparently, though, cannon boomings, there are people who don't like this and for various reasons want to put a stop to it. And when I say various reasons, let your imagination run wild as to how many stupid reasons you can come up with. For people not wanting war reenactments. And I'll tell you, you're just scratching the surface. But Rick is in Casper about wealth transfer. Morning, Rick. Good morning, Glenn. Um, I just had a, uh, well, an idea about the wealth transfer. Uh, America's going through the greatest wealth transfer probably in the history of the United States, maybe even the world. Uh, I think probably what that's causing is... Uh, a uh, this generation that's about to receive uh, these uh, dollars, it's contributing to the mindset that says, uh, you know what, I don't have to work. I only have to wait it out. Right. 
before my parents die off. And if I can help that out, then that anyway, uh, I'm not saying nefariously, but that's also included. Uh, I have a feeling that that is a component that will contribute to not getting this nation straightened out, especially when it comes to uh, uh, not only financial, but uh, really the soul of America. You know, yeah. To, I think and, and you know. On one hand, you you want children to have a childhood. That's true. You want them to run and play and so on. On the other hand, the younger that they can be taught not just responsibility, but where things come from, the because they're just so used to. You're hungry. You go to the fast food joint or this or the grocery store, and there's food with no concept of where it comes from. And the same thing comes for fuel, everything else. And then also, where does the money come from? Because when you were really, really young, you just assumed that mom, mom and dad just had the money, right? With no idea right. of what it actually takes to create wealth and get money for that creation. Yet most kids today, I'm sorry to say, never had to go through that struggle. They get off school and they can go play their video games or whatever, instead of having to participate in making sure the family survives. I think that's one of the biggest mistakes we've ever made. Yeah, I believe the, I agree with you 100%, and I believe that uh, in, in a uh, subterfuge, it's creating a, a generation, both the X's and the Z's, uh, that's, that is going to be part of the demise of America if, if, Somewhere along the line, these kids don't earn that right. transfer of wealth, but but it's it's handed to them. Mm -hmm. And we're talking, Glenn, in, in the hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars. Right. I, you know, I you can. Know, this, while you're saying this, I'm also thinking this current generation that you and I are a part of has made the mistake of taking from future generations as if that's okay. When you look at our national okay. debt. We're leaving them, not just we don't give them the skills to create wealth, to create their future, but we're also leaving them the debt of our generation, which they're going to have to trudge through as well. And maybe that's contributing to the idea is, you know what, I'm going to get what I can get now because yeah. when I'm 60 or 70, there's not going to be anything left. Right. So, yeah, it's, it's, all, it's all contributing to this idea of... Uh, uh, not wanting to work. Right. And the, they're also missing out of the idea of self-worth because you know what it's like when you've really worked hard and you've produced that day and you can look back on what you've accomplished and that feeling of accomplishment, knowing that you've done something important, that is missing from generations because they would rather just lay around and chill instead yeah. of accomplishment. Yeah, you, you, you're talking about uh, a, a human being that, uh, within itself, uh, has self-worth, and uh, you know that, that whole idea of psychology behind behind the self-worth and yeah. liking yourself. Yeah. Uh, you know, you're right. I just it's just something that popped in my head when I was in California. I was <clears throat> listening to stories out in the uh, uh, Tulare Valley uh, about these kids. Uh, killing their parents thinking they're going to get their mm -hmm. i mean they're farmers and ranchers out there in the middle of california and uh you know yeah the kids got 
they just got all day long. They can think about <clears throat> what's going to be given to them, and they want to accelerate that as fast as possible. Yeah. And you know what happens when people have all day long to do nothing? What happens to their brains? Oh, Not a man, good thing. I tell you. Yeah. No. All right. Hey, great anyway. phone call, Rick. I appreciate it. I uh, appreciate it. Thanks, Bob. 917. Wake up, Wyoming. Welcome to the Wild Preps Daily Radio Report, powered by the Wild Nine twenty-two is the time. It's wake up, Wyoming. Bunny and Cheyenne has sending me videos of old balloons, weather balloons, and military balloons from way back when. That one that looked like a big bomb was one of the government. By triple eight ninety-seven. What's the phone number? That's eight 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 ninety-seven W O O D S. Again, talk about what I'm talking about. Change the subject. Fine by me. So get a load of this one. I now I don't know what to do with this story. I'm just going to toss this out to you and let you figure it out. Because if I think too hard about this, my my right eye is going to start twitching. All right. So there is an inmate in prison. Okay. He decided to identify himself as a woman. So uh, he goes to the woman's prison. Right. Okay. Hang on. Because there's more. Then he decides to identify himself as an infant. Authorities accommodate him with baby food and diapers. How far are we going to take this? When I first read this, no, this has got to be like Babylon B or some other parody site. Not true. Come on. The story reads, A killer who transitioned from male to female while in prison has demanded guards hold his hand while he is outside the cell because now he identifies as an infant. Mr. Eastwood, who now goes by Stephanie Eastwood, but 36, originally named Daniel, jailed for life 2004 for using shoelaces to strangle a cellmate. So was already in prison and then murdered someone in prison. Eastwood, who has lived as a woman... In, this is in the UK, in Her Majesty's prison <laughs> for the past four years, has been described as attention-seeking, manipulative. You think so? I kind of got that impression reading this. The murderer has now told the chiefs of the prison that he identifies as a tot, a toddler, and should be allowed to wear diapers and have meals pureed like baby food, also demanded guards hold hold my hand while we're being escorted from the cell. And for some reason, they're actually doing this. Okay. I wouldn't, obviously. My answer would be, I'm sorry, but you're staying exactly where you are when you first came to prison. You can say you identify as whatever. We're not accommodating. Sorry. You're in prison. You have been, and, and you're a murderer besides. So you've been stripped of everything. You don't get to tell us anything. We're going to tell you. That's how I would do it if I was running the prison. All right. Now, let's go to Oakland. Now, I, like I said, I'm not going to comment much more on that. You just figure out what to do with it because I start to think of this, and it's not that this person is, is doing this and getting away with it. It's, 
it's that this person actually is getting away with it, that people at the prison think, well, we have to accommodate. No, you don't. That's the part that hurts. This person wants to claim, well, I'm a woman now, and I'm a toddler. In fact, an infant, and I want to be spoon-fed. Okay, you can go ahead and claim whatever you want, but the fact that they're complying with this, well, we have to. No, you don't. But, that see, that's the part that hurts for me. All right. Let's go to Oakland, California. Plumbers have been robbed so often, they're holding their own active shooter training. Hang on, Miss Mary. Uh... Oh, okay. Miss Mary saying, I'd be willing to bet they are accommodating to avoid an insanity plea. Yeah, <clears throat> possibly. I, I would just look, I would shut the door of the cell. And let this person know. You can, again, claim to be whatever you want to claim. You go right ahead. Here's what you're going to wear. You're going to shower at this time. Your meal times are at this time. You're allowed some time to walk around the yard and lift weights or whatever at this time. And that's it. That's your life from now on. So if you want to claim that you're anything and live a certain lifestyle or whatever, you go right ahead. But you're wearing this uniform, your meals are at this time, your shower's at this time, your time outside is between here and here, and that's it. And I wouldn't listen to anything else instead of complying with. Uh, the, the best way to handle someone like that is just, you know, again, don't, don't give in to their demands because there's always more demands, which makes me think that after this person now is claiming to be a toddler and then an infant – and by the way, toddlers and infants can't make too many demands, can they? Not, not as an intelligent adult. What next? Because it does after, well, I got away with that. Therefore, I can get away with what's the next thing? Because with people like this, there's always the next thing. And so what you do is don't help them in any way. Do not help them in any way. Don't comply. And as they yell and scream and complain and so on, let them. That's their problem, not yours. Rhiannon in Fort Danger. Ooh, things are getting out of hand. This is so blankety-blank. Yes, you're right. Exactly. And I like Mike from Leeds, South Dakota. It should be His Majesty's prison. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Joe is in Cheyenne. Why doesn't your inmate just identify as a law-abiding citizen and walk right out the prison doors? Beautiful. How about that? I identify as a non-murderer, and I'm only 10 years old. And so I get put into a fostered home, all expenses paid outside of prison. I identify as a teenager of a rich family. Go get me my rich family. Oh, this gets to be easy if you want to play it that way. 9.29 is the time. Coming up on local news. Update on the weather forecast. You and I again. Open phones. 888 woods Wake up Wyoming. Nine thirty-six of time. It's wake up, Wyoming. We're getting a lot of people who are answering me off the app. What you can do if you go to your Wake Up Wyoming app, look at the toolbar when the app loads up on your phone. Look at the toolbar; it runs right across the center. 
You'll see On Demand, touch that, that's old, old show episodes and the funny bits. The call-in button is next to that, to the right. Then after that, you hit the chat option, and you can send me text messages. So let me see. Uh, Joe is in Cheyenne, perhaps identifying as a retiree. I I wouldn't have to work for a living. Well, and that's what if you just mentioned. There's a prisoner over there in the UK. First, he identified as a woman to get into a woman's prison. Now, identifies as a toddler and is demanding diapers and being spoon-fed and other special treatment. And they're actually doing it for some reason. They're complying with it. Uh, Rianne in Fort Danger identifies as a Viking now, so I can raid and enslave my neighbor Doris. Fine, get back to me on how that works. Uh, Brad and Casper Glenn, one comment on your TikTok posts on the balloon. You should take your post down, I did, by the way, and repost it again, and I did. If you have only a few views, you'll know. And Okay, so the way it worked, Brad, is I originally posted it in the morning where I get the most hits, and I got, within several hours, I got three hits. Then I went back, I took it down, and then posted it again later on that morning. And I waited until the evening when it's typical for me to have tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of hits, 15 hits. And that's what made me think, perhaps since the Chinese own TikTok, I wouldn't doubt it. They just decided, you know, we're just not going to let people see this. You know? And, they, and they're not, if they're doing it to me, they're doing it to other people. Terry Gal in Fort Collins I know this is off topic, but there's a lot of discussion about lithium mines in Africa, how dangerous, toxic, and non-regulation this stuff is. But look into cobalt mines over there. It causes lung disease, and again, kids are used to, well, yeah, they, they tunnel for that. They have child-saved labor over there, Terry, as you know. Uh, it is as if we have a big curtain up where inside the curtain is green and lovely and so pristine. On the other side, toxins, abused kids, filth, death. We won't mind these things here because we don't want that side of the curtain in our backyard. But it's dandy to have it overseas. Yeah, exactly. No, Terry, you're exactly right. I have spoken to people. Hang on a second. There we go. I have spoken to people before showing who are all about wind and solar power, and they want wind and solar power because they're afraid that if we're using coal, gas, and oil, we're raping the planet. And I really? You think we're raping the planet? Well, okay, let's take a look at what wind and solar and electric vehicles does. Al is in Casper. Hello, Al. Good morning, Glenn. How are you this fine day? Good, sir. What you got for me? Well, I, I was just wondering, uh, now I'm, I'm uh, of a senior age, 72. Okay. And uh, everybody's worried about this balloon coming over. But uh, nobody said anything about all the fentanyl that the Chinese are uh, bringing across. They're, they're, they're sending it over. Now, if the same amount of deaths occurred, Due to an AR-15 or an M-16, those uh, people in the blue color would be just screaming yeah. and throwing a wall-eyed fit. 
Well, now the, the answer to that is the the fentanyl is a topic. It is a, everybody's talking about it, but except for CNN and MSNBC. And uh, certain politicians on the Democrat side, they don't want to talk about it. But everybody else is talking about it. Our southern border is wide open, and all of these drugs come pouring over the border, and it kills a lot of people. Every It's equivalent to a, a couple of airline crashes a day. I mean, imagine if, if two airliners every single day crashed. How upset would people be? That's what's happening. Well, it wouldn't affect those people because... Uh they're not really sure what happened and yeah. and then they would have to get a committee together and uh-huh. vote on it yeah and uh bring it up and uh see what happens at the town council to see if this re- really happened yeah did it really happen mhm okay now uh isn't a uh wouldn't it be a premeditated murder because if you're doing something knowing it's going to cause those persons to die right. for profit because they're not selling those drugs for free. They're selling those drugs for profit. That's agreed. Right. And and so when they say, oh, well, yeah, I'm, di- I'm, just, I'm just doing this. Uh, I, I really don't know what's happening. Mm-hmm. They do know what's happening. Yeah. They're bringing it across the border. People with the balloon should know that that is just the tiny little tip of the iceberg right. coming out of the southern border. They should know that over the southern border, what's coming over the border is not just killing adults, it's killing children as well. The people who are doing it know it. The people who refuse to secure the border know it. And why these people... I would go beyond charging them with manslaughter because this is reckless at this point. It's, it's first-degree murder. It it's certainly with is. forethought yeah. and for greed... I agree. Money. And this is how it should be treated. So, okay. So now, and all of these people who are saying, well, I, I am so scared of a balloon. Yeah. They better think about the balloon coming across the southern border. Right. All right. Great call, Al. Thank you for that. I got to run over to Frank Gambino in just a moment. Wake up, Wyoming. Waking up on... Nine forty-eight is the time. It's wake up, Wyoming. Off to the ice box we go. Frank Gambino is waiting by. So, Frank, as everybody was, you know, all over the balloon shooting down, I noticed something and looked into it. And there's a post about it. I was wondering why this will interest you. The two uh, pilots going up were referring to each other under the call sign of Frank One and Frank Two. Uh huh. Yes. Miss Mary instantly related that to you. Oh, okay. Well, I don't know if there's any relation. I, I, I can like that. assure you that there's been no reference personally None. to me. I was not in the aircraft. Okay. I mean, maybe maybe the next mission is their, uh, you know, Norm 1 and Norm 2. I don't know, but I found out what they were talking about. Oh, okay. Frank Luke Jr., the Arizona balloon buster, World War One. The Germans would put up these balloons that they could not only see enemy well yeah the enemy observation right okay they can also direct bombing and you know things like that so it was very important to get a balloon nice and high but it would be out of range of the allied guns to shoot down so they needed an airplane to do it now these balloons were so important that they not only had 
guns on the ground, but also airplanes. The German uh, airplanes would circle around trying to protect them. Mm-hmm. This guy, the Arizona balloon buster, shot down, I mean, just a stupidly high number of them and also shot down a bunch of the airplanes defending them as oh, well. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, now, unfortunately, he did get hit in the shoulder at some point by ground fire he landed his plane and tried to walk away, but he's bleeding out. And so here come the Germans after him, and he pulls out his revolver and shoots at a couple of them and then just sort of passed out and, and died right there. There is a huge memorial to him in Arizona. His body's still over in Europe. They finally put a, a proper cross and all that kind of stuff on it. But, uh, yeah, he has medals for bravery and et cetera, et cetera. I mean, just loads of medals and stuff like that because of the number. It, what his mission was back in World War One was the most dangerous mission for an aviator, and he excelled at it. So that's why the two pilots called themselves Frank 1 and Frank 2, shooting down a balloon. That's a good story. I like that. I really did like that story, too, yeah. No, I actually, I found the audio. People want to hear the audio of the pilots talking to each other as they go after the balloon. That's what made me wonder, who's Frank? And so I looked it up. Hmm, okay. Well, the National Football League, the Denver Broncos did introduce their new head coach yesterday in Sean Payton. He has not coached in the NFL since 2021 with New Orleans, but had a solid track record with that franchise, including a Super Bowl win in 2009. His first priority with this dysfunctional Broncos franchise is to turn the offense around. Quarterback Russell Wilson had a terrible season. The Broncos used five draft picks and three players to get him from Seattle. Denver was the lowest scoring team in the league. Wilson had his own quarterback coach in the building and Peyton says, well, we're going to move on from that. That's foreign to me. That, that's not going to take place here. I mean, I, I'm, I'm unfamiliar with it, but our staff will be here. Our players will be here, and that'll be it. Denver has had six straight losing seasons. The Broncos did send a 2023 first-round draft pick, the 29th pick overall, to New Orleans for Peyton, plus a tw- plus a second-round draft pick next season, due to the fact that uh, Peyton was still under contract with the Saints through 2024. In boys' high school basketball, at the 4A level over the weekend, first 